Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino. dot com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Hi guys, today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Andrew, tell us a little bit about Patreon.、Uh, Patreon is a place where you can go and donate money to us if you'd like to,、uh, and we do offer special perks like、uh, reading your name out on the、uh, opening of the show as well as in the middle of the show. Um, like we're gonna do right now. <laughs> um, our current patrons are Stephanie L, Terry Needleman, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lear, Chris O'Kelly, Lily Ackles, Mackenzie Horner, John Donna, Taryn the Duck #actualduck, Melissa Goldman #actualgoldman, Jess Lightning, <laughs> the best Jess in the show, Ewan Cassidy, Haley MacDonald, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tuskier, Callum McLeod, Fire of September, Sam Bergman. And you know what? They give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks, it's just patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early, a, f- <laughs> a few bonus episodes, and a bunch more. <laughs> Come join us on Patreon. All right, let's get、All、on、right. to the actual show, Andrew. I'm Jesse McAnally, and I am Andrew DeWolf, and welcome to Musicals with Cheese, the podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And today, Andrew, we've got an extra special guest. An extra special guest? Is it more special than the rest of them? Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> today we have the author of Boho Days,、um, author and Jonathan Larson expert Jay Collis. Hello. That、Hello. is quite a title. How do you become an expert in such things? Um, you spend seven years writing a book. Oh my god! <laughs> Have you ever even read a book, Andrew? I one time I read Treasure Island. Did you like Treasure Island? Treasure Island、uh, was a good movie. I liked it. <laughs> That silence. It was so deafening. <laughs> did you Did you hear it? <laughs> I I heard a tick, 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 tick. Did you guys hear it too? Um, yes. You know,、okay. I've been watching the Tick on Amazon. Did, has it has the Tick in, encouraged you to buy some new spoons? Um, no, but he has told me that Destiny has arrived, and he wants me to review or talk about Tick Tick Boom. I guess.
Big Boom is a musical written by American composer Jonathan Larson, who won a Pulitzer and three Tony Awards for his musical Rent. Tick Tick Boom tells the story of an aspiring composer named John who lives in New York City in 1990. <laughs> John, He's also is so he... <laughs> John is worried that he <laughs> made the wrong career choice to be part of the performing arts. The story is autobiographical, as stated by Larson's father in the linear notes of the cast recording. In the liner notes of the cast recording, Larson has been trying to establish himself in the theater since the 1980s. So, Jay Collis, you're the expert here. Why did you choose Tick, Tick, Boom? I wonder. Because <laughs> I have a book to show. <laughs> it, it's an interesting show, and it's interesting in part because of the show itself and the story it tells, and also because the show that people know is not necessarily the show that he wrote. And also because one of the interesting phenomenon is over the years, a lot of people who don't like Rent do like this show. And I am one of those people. Yeah, it's it's I think it's better than Rent in a lot of ways. Now, what is your thoughts, Jake Hollis? Because you're the expert. Do you think this is better than Rent? No. Why? <laughs> um, It's kind of weird. So the TL, the sort of the very quick version of this is the show he wrote in the 90s is not the show you know. Um, they brought in another book writer to sort of do an overhaul because it was designed to be this one person thing that would be Larson himself sitting at a piano, doing monologues and playing with the band. And they rewrote it to be about three people or for th they rewrote it for three actors. And when they did the split, they restructured the show and something just kind of has always felt a little bit off to me about it. And I couldn't explain what it was until learning about the original version. Um, I think it's a great score, but it just never quite sat with me the same way that Rent did. But neither of them are my favorite show by him either. So what is that? Superbia? It's it's Superbia. Um, I, I know it's really horrible for everybody who talks about his wider work to say it's the greatest thing he ever wrote and it might not be because superbia is a mess um he wrote that show for five years and every edition of the show has a different ending and none of them quite work but the music was just incredible and the ideas were ahead of their time um and like superbia is the one that i still listen to the most just for fun and I get that. I've dabbled in suburbia. Um, I want to take a deeper look into it, especially after reading your book. That covers it quite a bit. Um, now, my question to you, um, you brought up a point that uh, you feel like they're kind of messing with the dead man's work with Tick, Tick, Boom, because they basically wrote a new book around his original one man show. Did you ever consider that maybe all that Jonathan Larson really needed like he I agree with you. He's a extremely gifted songwriter, one of the best probably in musical theater history, just from everything I've heard. But do you think he just needed a really good book writer to rein in like those rock songs and give them purpose? And I feel like that is something that this version of Tick, Tick, Boom really does. It's difficult to say because he was learning in his last year on Rent. He was learning really quickly how to write a scene um, like the Happy New Year scene in Rent. He wrote very quickly and um, I actually use it as an example of how quick how he was learning to build a scene, get it sort of roughly fitting a scansion 
and then hammer it into shape. Um, if you look at the Take Me or Leave Me song in Rent at the top of Act 2, he was struggling for years to make something work in that slot in the show. He knew he wanted to have a fight between those two characters, couldn't figure it out, was watching the actors improvise, and wrote that song in a day. Um, and then two days later, rewrote one of the parts entirely to the song you know now. So I think it was having someone to bounce off of that is really what gave him the ability to start making that refinement. Um, Ira Weitzman, who had sort of followed his career and is now the guy who does musicals for Lincoln Center, had always said Rent, he didn't want to invest in Rent, but he knew whatever the next show would be. That was the one he really wanted. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. Let's talk about Tick, Tick, Boom. (laughs) All right. Tick, Tick, Boom. Andrew, why don't you describe the plot of Tick, Tick, Boom for us? Uh, This show is uh, the last five years, except for it's about Jonathan Larson instead of what's his name? Jason Robert Brown. Uh, (laughs) Elaborate on that statement, please. Oh, it's just an autobiography piece about a struggling writer. Mm hmm. We've done a couple of them on this show. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, this is this the most case. successful one. Yes, it's the one that doesn't uh, it doesn't seem as egotistical as some of the other ones Whereas do. Whereas, I think that you brought up the childlike nature of Jonathan Larson. I think he had a self-aware nature to him that didn't come across as much in Rent, but comes across very well in Superbia and as well as in Tick, Tick, Boom very well. He has, like, this self-deprecation to himself. Whereas... I think a lot of the folks in Rent see themselves as very self-serious because he is telling a melodrama. It's just required by the content he was given. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tick came out of, you know, sort of this middle class traditional Jewish guilt um, because the the core of Tick, Tick, Boom um, is that he's turning 30. This is the big thing is that he sees this milestone in his life and he's like, I'm older than my father was when he had me. You know, I should have a career. I should have my own kids. I should have an apartment where the landlord hasn't turned the gas off rather than fix it. Um, and so that frustration and that kind of is where this came out of. Um, he was certainly a confident guy in his abilities. Um, you know, he loved his work, but he was at a point where, you know, his friends were getting real jobs, uh, quote unquote, real jobs and starting to get ahead and settle down and he's turning 30 and he's still waiting tables and still constantly being told no. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a frustrating place for any artist, not even just artists for anyone at that age looking to do something. Yeah. I mean, I think it in retrospect, it very much feels like what would be a millennial show now though. We're getting kind of past even for a Gen Z show now. Right. And I agree with you. It feels very modern. It, despite it being specifically set in 1990, it feels timeless. Yeah. Which is why so, I'm really excited for the movie that's coming out of it. <laughs> um, it's going to be a movie. Certainly will be. Um, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda and starring Andrew Garfield by last I checked. Um, I think so. I have no idea what the status is. No one tells me anything. Apparently so. it Wait, starts a production. movie about this? Coming out, yeah. Is it, are they filming it over 20 years or is it coming out soon? <laughs> um, I have no idea. All I know is it's going to be on Netflix and yeah, that's about it. It starts production later this year, according to Lin-Manuel Miranda. 
Okay. okay well, I, I mean, if they're not if they're not filming it over twenty years and they're not in horrific cat CGI, I'm happy about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the bar's pretty low, kids. <laughs> I, I, I I'm wondering how they're gonna do parts of it because, like, my favorite scene in Tick Tick Boom. If they follow the original script for it, like it's not gonna film well. What scene is that? But um it's the monologue in the park with um do do we wanna like go should we do this song by song and and figure out a way to sort of hit the beats of the show? Why don't we do our mid show and then we run through it? Hi guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but I got a show at you. Um, today's show is brought to you by our extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Our current patrons are Stephanie L., Terry Needleman, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lehrer, Chris O'Kelly, Lily Ackles, Mackenzie Horner, John Donna, Taryn the Duck, Melissa Goldman, Jess Lightning, Ewan Cassidy, Haley McDonald, Teskier, Cal McLeod, Fire September, and Sam Bergman. They give us a little financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us, and get tons of fun perks such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early or even earlier, and tons of other stuff. Come join the Patreon family. All right, let's get back to the show. Choices, wicked witches, poppy fields, or men behind the curtain. Tiger lilies, ruby slippers, pockets decking, that's for certain. They're taking a happy birthday, might just wish it all weren't me. It feels much more like Doomsday, fuck 3090. So let's talk about the songs for a bit. What do you guys think of 3090 as an opening number? I love 3090. It sets everything up really well, I think. Um, it sets up things perfectly it sets up his plight perfectly it is a perfect opening number like in a way all the ways that rent isn't a perfect opening number this is in my opinion i love the focus on turning 30 as like a milestone because i think that is really relatable for a lot of people especially right now i love the bridge um where it goes into peter pan and tinkerbell yeah i agree that sounds so melodic it's it's a it's not just that it's melodic, it's this very vulnerable moment in the song. And he's, you know, and, and you can tell like, okay, no, I'm really not sure what's going on. Um, yeah. You know, with my life and with everything no, else. And, and, and I mean, it's true. Like, if, you, if you're working the freelance life at that stage in time, it's precarious enough to begin with. And then you kind of realize like, what have I done with the last eight to 10 years? <laughs> you know, and people think like, oh yeah, you know, you have seven housemates and well, in his case, he had like two or three other people in his flat at any given time. You know, you're in your twenties, this is expected. And then you have this big moment, you're turning 30 and you're like, I'm supposed to be respectable now. <laughs> um, one of his notes always said, stay up and coming, you'll never be a has-been. It is a very self-aware, very referential piece. Um, but it never feels pretentious. Even in the what I've seen of the original one-man show, he never feels self-important. No, he really tears himself down in it. Mm-hmm. Which, 
is a really endearing thing. And I I hate to keep bringing up Rent. I wish people in Rent did that a little bit more. They did a little bit in some of the workshops, but the characters in Bohem never tear themselves down either. And I remember some of the early workshops, like when Mark is like, I, I'm a failure. Like that line came from Mark talking about himself. And I think it was a little bit more effective in that form. It can go both ways because it can also <laughs> feel very on the nose. Right. Um, and, and I think it's it's important that somebody does pull this character aside and smack him down a little bit. <laughs> if you smack yourself down, does it really is it really a smackdown? I'll smack him down if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so um, Mark should, should we should we actually give people some context around these numbers? Sure. Yeah. Let's go. Definitely. Um, yeah. So thirty ninety. Um, I'll try and focus mostly, or we can all sort of focus on the version of the show everybody yes knows. Um, so his birthday in this version of the show is a week away, and his friends are getting him all trying to get him all psyched up, and his girlfriend tells him. Like, it's going to be great. All your friends are going to be there and you're going to play happy birthday for yourself. He's like, what? Um, and that's sort of what sets up 3090. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And it tells us, okay, we're a week away and these things are about to happen. He's going to, you know, try an office job and, you know, just sort of get through the week. And he's got a workshop coming up of Superbia. And maybe it's going to be really great. And, you know, it shows going to get produced and he won't have to actually go do a market research job. Yes. So this is sort of the inner conflict about, can I give this up? Will my art be successful? Mm -hmm. Honestly, who would want to play happy birthday for themselves? Like, I totally get that. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah. I tell people I'm a Jehovah's Witness for, like, the week surrounding my birthday. 
<laughs> wow. So, I, I'll have that. a birthday party, but I'm not gonna play happy birthday for myself. Somebody <laughs> I'm else. I'm not is gonna, gonna make play. my own goddamn cake. What? <laughs> What a pleasure to unwrap Green dress, oh what it can do What the green, green dress does to me on e what do you guys uh, think of Green Green Jess? Uh, I'm just asking, I'm throwing it out there for the world to I like that it sets up his relationship with his girlfriend I like that the woman that Susan was based on um, Was like, yes, this was like this super slinky, sexy dress Mm-hmm um, David Auburn, who did the rewrites for the 2001 version, really did not like this song. <laughs> um, uh, but he couldn't find anything to swap it out with. Wow, that feels like a good reason to keep a song in. Um, I mean, it, I just can't find anything is. to get. But I mean, he always had that song there. And right. it's about sort of being in the moment and the idea of the good thing that's happening. And in the show and in its context, it sets up the second conflict, which is his girlfriend wants to move away from New York. Yes. And leaving New York means not being in the middle of the theater business. It's another reminder that artistically things aren't going right. Mm -hmm. And it feels like giving up as soon as you leave, like getting out of New York is giving up. Yeah, there, there, there is this sort of New York mentality where sort of you stop seeing past your islands and forget that there's like an entire world out there new york city is everyone thinks of it as like tons of opportunity and everything but i feel like it's so expensive to live there and it <laughs> it's just a clusterfuck honestly <laughs> and i mean it it wasn't that way in the in the late 80s early 90s new york was kind of a dump in those days and things were a lot cheaper and you had these opportunities because there was no investment in the city for 20 years. And so you had all of these disused spaces that you could take over and do something in, uh, which is part of how Naked Angels got set up. Somebody in the groups, I think uncle or cousin, had like a publishing factory, like the Loft and Rent. Um, they had like a publishing factory that they weren't using. And so they converted it into a performance space and ran their friends group out of it. This was something you could do in those days that you can't do anymore. Yeah, it's it's too built up now. And just if you're trying to do something new, it's you're too late. You missed it. <laughs> Gentrification's the worst, guys. <laughs> it's really bad. It is. It's encroaching on my neighborhood. And um, yeah, it's but, great for tourists. Yeah, I'll give you that. But is it? Is it? Yes. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, you won't get stabbed on your way to see Into the Woods anymore. <laughs> That's true, but do we need another Olive Garden? <laughs> we don't even have That's... Olive Garden over here. It's actually pretty great. <laughs> I haven't walked into an Olive Garden in like three or four years. I don't want to ever again. I can't decide, and you know who else can't decide? Johnny can't decide. Next song. Johnny can't decide. this song better than green green dress 
I, I like it better with a little more oomph in the arrangements. Uh, so it's the morning after, and he's waking up early because he can't sleep. And he's laying out, basically, you know, his best friend, Michael, has got a really good job and is moving out. But he feels like his friend is sold out because his friend used to be an actor, which is like the one big liberty with real person behind Michael, who was never an actor. Um, he's like, you know, Michael's doing really great. Susan wants to leave New York and like have a more suburban standardized life. But he actually likes living in the middle of the city and the hecticness. But he's also kind of like tired of being poor and being ignored. Um, I was flipping through the my, through all of the notes in the archive papers and the one note that I remember, there were two things I took photos of on my phone, which, of course, is sitting on the charger and not near the computer. Um, but one of them was one of the lyrics in Johnny Can't Decide is compromise or persevere. And one of his notes is tick means compromise. Boom means persevere. Hmm. OK, and, so that's basically describing the mantra of the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's a couple mantras in the show, but they come up as a, um, the other one is um, it all, it's love or fear. You know, this is this is a show about facing your fear, and it's a good mantra for life. I have to tell you. Where does this show fall on the love fear line? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's true. It's it's making the decision. If you look, I mean, if you apply a meta filter to Larson's trajectory, Superbia is the fear show. He's afraid of what happens when you let everything be controlled by numbers and by economic forecast. And Tick is the show where you kind of make the decision to not be a part of that, and Rent is the confirmation. That's, yeah, yeah. that's good. I think, I think that's a good way to summarize that entire song into a small Instead segment. Instead they play on Sunday For a cool orange juice or a bagel On the soft green cylindrical stool Sit the fools Drinking cinnamon coffee Or decaffeinated tea Forever In the blue silver chromium diner Drips the green orange violet drool I love the next song so much where he goes to work at a diner and he sings a homage, homage to Stephen Sondheim's Sunday and his own version of it. It's fun. It's hilarious. Yeah, this I one's love pretty it. fun. Pretty re relatable, too, as far as like having a shit day job that you hate. <laughs> yeah. And I heard this version before I heard Sondheim's version. Um. So this Same. is always like the version whenever I hear Sunday, like this is what comes to my head before um, Sunday in the Park with George. Yeah, yeah it's not quite my favorite. It's not quite my favorite shitty job song, but it's up there. <laughs> what is your favorite shitty job song? Um, it's going to sound really horrible to say this, especially out of context of the show. It's Lot's Wife from Carolina Change. Actually, it's all of Carolina. Change. Yes. Yep. Uh, OK, <laughs> my heart beats for that song. I can't I can't disagree. Um, I, God, I love that show. I'm so glad I it's love, getting a revival. I love that show. I saw that revival in London. You are in for such a treat. I'm so fucking pumped. <laughs> All right, Andrew, do you have anything else to say about Sunday? No. <laughs> I have no more to say about Sunday. A lot of the songs are kind of similar 
to me <laughs> in this Fair. show because yeah. they're all kind of that rock rent style. So, and you're not a fan of that to begin with. I'm not yeah, a giant is, fan of it. I'm curious, Andrew. Like, we're, uh, because I've listened to a lot of the episodes. What actually is like your background on music and your general interest? Because yeah. I get I, I get the impression that you're really into classical, but like I don't know what you say. You know, I've got a craving to listen to some music. What do you put on, sort of, when you're just reaching for your musical comfort food? Oh, um, well, I mean, I used to be uh, a big heavy metal junkie, um, but I'm not really as into that anymore. Um, but I would listen to like European metal a lot. Now I went to music school and I got a lot more into jazz and some classic stuff. So it's a big blend of all that type of shit now. And honestly, part of the reason I don't like the rock shows as much is because I've heard so much of it and I've heard heavier stuff and I like that better. <laughs> Are you familiar with a band called Avantasia? Absolutely. I saw them in concert uh, like three months ago. Okay. Um, I keep meaning to see them. They are amazing. They're based... Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, they, they are. And they do sort of this big metal opera. Um, uh, yes. Uh, did you listen to their recent album? Because I think it's maybe their best. I haven't. The last, the last thing I heard being the European-based gay that I am was um, Mystery of the Blood Red Rose, because they put that up for the Eurovision a few years ago. That one was okay. So a lot of meatloaf vibes from that one. <laughs> yeah, let, let's not talk about Bad Out of Hell, though. Um, yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, okay, now I, now I get a better, like, sense of things. Because, um, like, my background, like, one of my favorite bands is a really big prog band. Well, not really big in terms of, like, filling arenas, but really big in terms of, like, you say Marillion to a group of prog fans and they instantly know who you're talking about. Um I keep I keep waiting. There needs to be a bit like a really good progressive rock musical. It just seems like the form merging is there. There's so many concept albums. You could just make one of them into a musical and be done. I've tried. Gotten the rights before. Uh, if somebody wants to produce, hit hey, me up on Twitter. You know what? You guys are talking about things I don't understand. I think I need some therapy. Therapy. Next song. Let's go. <laughs> I was afraid that you'd be afraid if I told you that I was afraid of intimacy. If you don't have a problem with my problem, maybe the problem's simply codependency. Wrong to say you were wrong to say I was wrong about you being wrong when you rang to say that the ring was the wrong thing to bring. If I meant what I said, when I said brings bored me. Therapy. <laughs> I got used to that. <laughs> I fucking love therapy, guys. This is like the first song from this musical I got obsessed with. It, it's a great song. The first time I heard this song was on a really crappy tape of a concert from '97, and Ben Stiller did it. I God, Ben Stiller did it. <laughs> well, you, OK, so you have to remember back in the mid 90s, Ben Stiller was actually an actor with like a popular TV series. And 
like he was known as an uh, not he he was sort of breaking in as a comedic actor before he started directing. Yeah, before the cable guy. Yeah. Um he was on Fox when Fox was still like hip and edgy. And now they're just edgy. He'd known Larson through Victoria. Um they actually did a number he wrote in Larson wrote a number for Ben Stiller to perform at the opening night party for Falsettos. Holy shit. <laughs> and what it was a rap fuck? version of Jason's it was a rap version of Jason's bar mitzvah. That is the whitest <laughs> thing I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> um, is it white or Jewish? The whitest Jewish, Jewish thing I've ever Jewish. heard. They were both Jewish. All three of them were Jewish. Um, Larson, Victoria, and Stiller. We need one more Jew. William Finn. Ah, okay, and now put them in a the room and tell them to bitch. <laughs> I love that song. Um, you just have so to yeah, put them in a room. Therapy kind of works along the same lines of that um, because it's this sort of very fast. I mean, originally it was just one person doing it and just playing it. Through, he would, Larson would just play it through as fast as he could. Oh God! In the build, in, in the build up. <clears throat> but he was, and he was accompanying himself too. He was playing on the, he was playing the piano part on it at the same time. I feel bad that you, I can't. I can't imagine. I, uh, yep, not going to work. Not today. Yeah. Um. So plot wise, by this point, um. This this is one of the big divergence points in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, in the show that you'll see if you go to see it, Susan calls like Lar- Johnny Jonathan. The character just had like a talk with his dad and found out like how amazingly well his sister's doing. Um, and Susan's like, "Come over. It's really far. It's two subways and a bus. Take a cab. I can't afford a cab." Oh. Well, then we should like just talk about moving. Why are we talking about moving? <laughs> <laughs> and that. And that sets it up. It's showing that they're kind of starting to... They're on the outs. ...disalign. Yeah, getting there. Now, is does Susan have a straight one-to-one, like, person in real life? The, ori- the original version of Susan did. Um, they rewrote a lot of the character and kind of her base. Right. And the real Susan, real Susan, quote-unquote, um, was his girlfriend. And it wasn't that... She was like looking to get a dishwasher. She was a dancer. She spent a spent a number of years, um, basically paying the bills by like typing up depositions and doing word processing for lawyers. And her thing was that she would kind of go off to an ashram and meditate and get away every so often. And in the original version of the show, the idea is either that she's going to go up and stay for a long time, or that she's offered a job at the ashram. Mm. Um, so it's not about, you know, I want a dishwasher and to be able to, you know, teach dance to children and all of that. It really is. She wants a simpler, cleaner is not quite the right word, but a simpler, less more, less hectic, more centered life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd want that, too. I can't blame her. Yeah. Um, so she didn't really like that change in the portrayal that they made her a little more materialistic. Mm. They made her they made her a shrew. She's not a shrew, but it's not her. It's not true to who this person is. Going down, going down. She don't care what I look like or how I dress. She never says no. Always says yes. Oh, oh sugar. She's refined for a small price. She blows my Sugar, she's got the power, soothes my soul for half an hour, half an hour, half an hour. 
might actually be my favorite song. Uh, either Sugar or 3090 is my favorite song in the show. All right, explain why. Um, it's a really fun, peppy number. Um, I have an obscene sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely relatable. Um, and it's a moment of levity that we kind of need at this point. Um, although originally it takes place way, way earlier in the show. Um, and it, it, it's one of the few things in the final version of the show that really gets at sort of this childlike giddiness that he can feel at times. Yes. I, I was about to bring that up too. I think it's such a fun moment and like the comedy works really well. Like, especially when it gets to like the really awkward office style comedy when he sees the girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, She's a little that, too that, peppy. <laughs> he played her so over the top in his original version. He's, um, and, it, and it's great. That's actually based on a real encounter that he had with someone he knew. And it, it was like 2 a.m. She was with her boyfriend and he just wanted to get away. And she keeps like drawing up the conversation. Um, and then she saw the show a couple of months later when he did it as Boho mm-hmm. Days. And she sees him afterwards and she like slugs him on the arm and he and is like, you know, yep, you got me. <laughs> um, she, she took it in really good stride. I mean, that artist types usually do find the ones that take it in good stride. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it is just this really funny moment because it's like it's not that he needs a, like a fix and he's getting like some quick energy. It's that it's a Twinkie. It's like the yes. lowest, nastiest thing. <laughs> It's a um, Ghostbusters show. Yeah, and then he gets caught out by someone he thinks is really hot. Um, and he's just like, uh, uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what you eating? Uh, doomed. Um, a carrot. I toss my Twinkie to Speed Queen, man. <laughs> this is where the three actor setup of the revival really is effective, where you get. Oh, you yeah. need all three of those people. Like they cut it down to the barest minimum they possibly could. Yeah, they actually tried to do it with two people for a while. Oh no, that would not um, have worked. They, it, it was a, re- yeah. They originally wanted it to just be Jonathan and Susan, and they realized no, they had to pull Michael out as well. Yeah, it's it's a smart move, and they made it right. Um, oh, I just want to see her smile just want to see her smile just want to see her smile just want to see her just want to see her let's talk about see her smile let's talk about see her smile um he actually cut this song I don't blame him. Sorry, that was probably not of his transition. <laughs> um, I don't blame oops. him. It's my least favorite in the show. Andrew, did you like this song? No. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's not a bad song. Like, I don't dislike the song, but it feels slow and it kind of lags. It's such a dull, yeah. low energy song after a high energy conversation, and we all know where it's going. Like, uh. yeah, the song, um, so l- let me give some context to the original version and the song that replaced it. So the song that replaced it is a song called Find the Key. And there's this moment um, where Jonathan and Susan are kind of cuddling in bed. And it's like, I don't know what to do. I know, I, I, you know, 
I don't want to go tomorrow, then don't. It's like they have this conversation. And it's very, it's a very st- like gentle but staccato conversation. And the final line is like, I'm going. I know. Hold me. She's gone. That would have been far more effective. And then it goes into this song about, and he sort of reprises um, Green Green Dress, Johnny Can't Decide. And then he does this song about how he's like struggling at the piano because the, uh, the piano is sort of his way of expressing himself and bringing this forward. And somebody who actually has a background in music theory should really be the person to analyze this song. But apparently it's got a lot of key, like key changes in it. And he's talking about like trying to, you know, he plays a dark C minor chord and how jumping around the musical scale is sort of getting representing this jumble in his head. And he can't find the key of the song of his life. A um, flat major. <laughs> Maybe. You can actually, um, the, the song's probably up on YouTube. It was on a demo CD a few years ago that came out. I'm 29, Michael and I live on the west side of Soho and why? 9 a.m. I write a lyric or two. Mike sings a song now on Mad I sing, come to your senses Defenses are not the way to go sings a song why which is probably the best song in the entire show by my book because it is the slow ballad where it is reacting to all the negativity that has come on to him at this point like everything his show's not getting produced his girlfriend left him and the one solace of a friend he has is gonna die so can i ask you a question would you think this song would still be effective in a different place in the show yeah i don't think so I'm half tempted to agree with you because originally it was in the middle. Oh, no. John, John. It was before, yeah, it, it, no. it was before Madison. No. no, it happened before Madison. It had another song leading into it. Um, the reason it's called Why, um, because you'll notice it's never there in the lyrics. There's a song before it where the Times Square scene. So when he's going to Madison Avenue, he walks through Times Square and he's reflecting on the state of Broadway. There's a song about that that he wrote that they didn't use. They used it in previews and they cut it. Um, you know, it's like where he's like, you know, write for the movies, write for TV. Who cares if it's crap? At least you won't write for free. Um, and at the end of that, he's, why do I care? And then he explains, this is why he cares about the theater. And then he goes in. No, he got, what? yeah, I'm mixing up versions of the show again. Um, so this is many versions. Like, there, there, are, there, there are multiple versions of the show. Um, I mean, it, it's a beautiful enough song that I think it works anywhere. 
but it's the most only reason I don't like here. It, it really is, but I like the monologue that precedes it afterwards. <laughs> so you'd prefer the monologue to be afterward? Yeah, which is how it was originally gotcha. set up. The monologue originally, the monologue originally led straight into the final number, and he played the um, riff from Louder Than Words under the monologue the entire time, and he just has this utter breakdown during it. I can um, see why that favorite. would be better. I I, I can it, see it, that specific part. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, but uh, Auburn agreed with you, obviously. He's like, no, this has to be the 11 o'clock number. This has this is what you centered the show around. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's the best choice. What do you think, Andrew? I think I think it's got to be right where it is. I don't I I can't see it being anywhere else. It should be opening number. There you go. Opening. Yeah. Opening. Yeah. Open with this one. Put 39 to and here. And the show immediately. <laughs> Cages or wings? Which do you prefer? Ask the birds. Fear or love, baby? Don't say the answer. Actions speak louder. Let's talk about Louder Than Words, which I think is a great, like, finale number. And just the phrasing of Louder Than Words is a summation of Jonathan, the character, as well as Jonathan, the person. Can't remember the details. Action Speak Louder Than Words was a mantra he literally kept on a pinboard by his desk. And um, uh, here's one of the other ones. Uh, simplify, 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 which is one of Sondheim's mantras. And the other is... Yeah, and the other is from an author named Richard Bach, and it's argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. Gorgeous quotes that obviously went on to inspire John very well to create this. Was it always the final number? This Sugar and 3090 are like the three songs from Tick, Tick, Boom that I will always happily listen to. <laughs> Not why? Why is beautiful, but if I'm like just popping open music to listen to... It's not quite that song. You want the bops. I, I do want the bops. I'm a basic bitch like that. Um, no, wh wh why is a beautiful song? It, it, it's just not like a casual listening song. It's, it's so emotional and so personal, which is also funny because it's about the Michael character being an actor, which is the one, re like, again, the, like one of the two big embellishments he made for that character, because they also never lived together in real life. They were just close childhood friends and all that. But uh, you have yeah. to simplify and add things like that. I think it might be time for trivia. Holy shit! Oh boy. <laughs> Am I awake enough to do <laughs> trivia? Um... We'll find out. I know yeah. I'm not. Jess is never, Jess is never awake enough to do trivia. <laughs> Even at my so, brightest, I'm not good at trivia. Jess, I'm sorry I picked really bastard questions. Well, we'll go straight <laughs> with the guest first All here. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> uh, what actor portrayed Jonathan in the 2016 off-Broadway revival of Tick, Tick, Boom? Oh, that was after I moved. I actually didn't pay attention to that production. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm an ocean away. Like, uh, I know there was a production. I know it was off Broadway. I know it ran for like a year. I think it actually outran the original. But yeah, I would have to ask Auntie Google. I actually don't know. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to say this for me? Um, Nick Blamier? Blamier? 
Yeah, Nick Blamier. Was it actually a good production? All right. Um, I know it had George Salazar as um, as Michael, which is great. I think that was fantastic. I did not see anything of that production. Yeah, like it, it ran for a while, but it was really under the radar. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know it existed until I was looking at Wikipedia. I was like, what? Yeah, I saw it in Vienna with Eris Sass. <laughs> um, it was like the whitest Michael you can imagine. Yeah, I picked a bastard question there, too. So don't worry. All right. Well, here's the next one for you, Jess. I'm ready, I guess. In the bonus track on the Tick, Tick, Boom cast recording, Larson sings his actual address. What is the building Fuck number? Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> you can always guess, Jess. Um, something 87th Street. I don't fucking know. Um, 508. 508 is the... Uh, if you want to start, you want to stalk this guy who doesn't isn't alive anymore. That's his. That's his building. Was that number. the building he died? Yeah, it was a uh, five hundred eight. Yeah. I can't remember if it's Greenwich Street or Greenwich Avenue because it's New York and the na- I don't know the naming conventions. It was a five story walk up. It was a dump. Like people romanticize his life in this flat. No, his flat was really like I've seen video from inside of it from that era. Like yeah. It, no, you wouldn't want to live there. And it was across the street from a garbage truck depot. So <laughs> so he like so it really was like this really shitty flat. Like when they talk about throwing the key down in rent, they had to do that. Um, there, th- he had no heat. Um, they would chop up delivery pallets and illegally burn them. The bathtub really was in the kitchen. Um, the walls were like kind of a gross dinge. You know, it, it was home. Should have moved to Massachusetts, man. <laughs> Jess loses. Congratulations. You are now the winner. (laughs) So what is your guys' overall thoughts on Tick, Tick, Boom and your cheese rating? Andrew, you go first. Okay. Um, Tick, Tick, Boom is... I I think it's just like a better version of Rent. The same music style, but the characters are more tolerable and relatable to me, which is really all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As far as a cheese rating... um, Oh, golly gee. I don't know. I'll give it like a New York style pizza. <laughs> Great. What about you, Jay Collis? <laughs> um, Tick Tick Boom is really interesting. It's interesting and in partly because it's about him. Um, and it does have this sort of universal appeal about what it means to find direction in your life. It's got a great score. Um, cheese rating. If we're talking about 2001, I would Ooh, go with Cheez-Its. They're really tasty. Yeah, they're really delish, but they've got mm. a bit of high fructose corn syrup in them. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, and they're a little processed. If we're talking about the <laughs> if we're talking about the original '90s version, um, definitely something raw with a bit of a tang All to right. it. I love Tick Tick Boom. It is a much better version of Rent. It has that. It speaks to me as an artist in the same way that Sunday in the Park with George and a lot of other things like that do. Um, it's a, it's about art, but in a way that doesn't feel pretentious. There's a self-awareness to this musical that I feel is lacking in a lot of art art about art, and I think that's really needed. And my cheese rating is Stick Stick Cheese. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, that was awful, Jess. Why? People give us money, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jay Collis, I know you got tons of stuff to promote. Start promoting it out there. Shill away. Yeah, so... Uh... So if you like Tick, Tick, Boom, um, if you hate Tick, Tick, Boom, if you like or hate Rent, I wrote a book all about everything 
uh, Jonathan Larson wrote. It's called Boho Days. You can pick it up for an affordable price um, digitally or a less affordable price in hardcover. Um, I write Christmas pantomimes and other things as well. I have um, the interstitials coming up in a novel called Forever Part Two by a guy named Andy Gell, G-E-L-L. That'll be coming out in October, where I write about... um, See if you can follow this and tell me if it's not too confusing. It's interstitials in Forever about a failed attempt to musicalize Forever as a jukebox musical. Um... The the novel is the books are based very heavily in neo discordian lore, so there's a lot of very meta things going on. Um, I mean, one of the things we also didn't talk about is Tick Tick Boom is a memento mori, and the fact that you kind of can't get out of the back of your head that this is about somebody who is on this cusp and this breakthrough, but is going to die in five years. Um, so if you haven't thought about your death planning, you really should. Um, you know, get your paperwork in order, let people know what you want. Uh, I recommend buying a brick of Moo and getting Moo Moo-fied. And then you can be part of a work of art forever. So go to MooMooFication.com. So check that out. out. All about Um, that there as well. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, Please rate us, review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're there at Musicals with Cheese. Our Twitter is at Cheesy Musicals. Our Patreon is Musicals with Cheese. Our Instagram is also Musicals with Cheese, as well as our YouTube page that is Musicals with Cheese as well. But what isn't Musicals with Cheese is our email, which is (laughs) MusicalTheaterLives at gmail.com. Our title card was created by Jolene Casco. Her Instagram is at Jolene Casco. Gentlemen, Thank you for your time tonight. I understand it's very late for you. It's very early for another. Thank you all for dedicating your time and making this happen. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. All right. All right. All right, folks. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.